Hi everyone, Samantha Sherris here, bringing you a bonus episode of the Daily Signal podcast. We have new information about the train carrying toxic chemicals that crashed in East Palestine, Ohio, earlier this month. We now know that the Norfolk Southern crew tried to slow the train down moments before it crashed. The crash was caused by an overheating wheel bearing. Usually, this overheating would trigger a sensor that would set off an alarm, but the sensors did not work. The alarm did eventually go off and there was an attempt to slow the train, but by that time, it was too late. Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg visited East Palestine after being criticized for not visiting the site of the crash sooner. A reporter asked Buttigieg if he should have visited sooner since it took more than two weeks for him to visit East Palestine. Here's what Buttigieg had to say via town hall. In retrospect, should you have come a little sooner? So, again, uh, in terms of the timing of the visit, I'm trying to strike the right balance, uh, allowing NTSB to play its role, but making sure we're here in that show of support. The residents in East Palestine continue to complain about rashes and other issues that they believe are being caused by the chemicals that were released from the train. Roman Jankowski is an investigative colonist for The Daily Signal and a senior investigative counsel for the Oversight Project here at the Heritage Foundation. Roman, thanks so much for joining us. Yeah, no problem. Um, Yeah, so I went over to East Palestine on Wednesday to to basically conduct a fact-finding mission to figure out what exactly happened there and how the residents were feeling and at least because it's so close to Washington, D.C., I felt like, hey, this is a responsibility of me to go out there. If I'm going to be – and one of the things that – I'm sorry uh, for uh, saying this, but what I do um, on my normal 9 to 5 is that I do a lot of Freedom of Information Act requests and records requests to government government agencies um, regarding any types of – all different types of oversight. So in this case, I'm going to – I'm already sound out a few records requests. Um, to FEMA and to EPA regarding this incident. But I wanted to go there and investigate more to see what other uh, records requests I would want to make um, um, because of this. Yeah, absolutely. If you could, you know, give us some more insight into what you saw on the ground there, um, you know, what the community is like in East Palestine. Um, yeah, what what you saw firsthand. Yeah, so to go back and kind of describe what actually happened during the incident, um mm-hmm. And this kind of it, it makes sense after um, I want to give a little background on it. So on February 3rd, uh, the incident happened around 8:55 p.m. It happened could have been around 30 miles out of uh, before it reached the East Lansing. Uh, there was a fire. Um, it could have happened because the brake pads. They're not really 100 percent sure. National Transportation Safety Board is still trying to determine everything right now. Um, around. Um, and there was a response. Norfolk Southern uh, immediately responded to this incident. Uh, the the governor of Ohio immediately responded. And um, it's the response that I'm investigating and how they responded. Um, and so we all know that uh, they did, uh, in order to safely mitigate, they believe to safely mitigate the incident, they had to start a controlled fire, created a lot of smoke. And this is the issue that we're dealing with right now. Um, on February 17th, uh, Trump Jr. announced that uh, former President Trump is going to visit uh, East Palestine. Um, uh, eight minutes later, 
uh, FEMA announced that they're sending a senior official in an IMAT incident response uh, team. Um, and uh, after that, around uh, February 22nd, EPA came out and said that uh, we're going to force uh, Norfolk Southern um, and hold them liable uh, to clean up uh, this mess. Um, and around uh, almost three weeks later, uh, Secretary of Transportation came to East Palestine. So this is the background to it. And when I got there, there was a lot of support for former President Trump. Um, there was flags up, everybody. It was They're basically holding a parade for him. They were really happy that he was coming because it seemed in their eyes that without his assistance, FEMA would have never came, EPA would have never forced Norfolk, uh, Norfolk Southern to go and uh, do the cleanup, that um, uh, it, it kind of did force uh, the Secretary of Transportation, Pete Buttigieg, to come out there and uh, so on. So they were really happy. It was a big, major celebration for him that day. I was really uh, curious, too, because I know you were there on Wednesday when former President Trump visited. And like you were saying, on Thursday, uh, Pete Buttigieg, Transportation Secretary, made a visit. Can you tell us about the different, you know, response or the reaction to Buttigieg versus Trump? And, um, you know, do you think? It, yeah, yeah. If you could talk about that. Yeah, it, yeah. It, it seemed um, for when Trump got there. Um, of course, he did a press uh, conference over in the firehouse, um, and which was broadcast on national TV. And when Pete got there, um, Secretary Pete, uh, when he when he got there, it looked like he was not looking for any type of press. He wasn't looking mm -hmm. for uh, uh, anybody, uh, any of the residents to be able to come and talk to him or press people. He was avoiding the press. Um, and it looked like he was avoiding the residents as well. And he was only talking to maybe the mayor or the, the IMAT team, the head of the IMAT team or the EPA or um, Norfolk Southern. Um, but it looked like uh, he was avoiding uh, the residents. Well, it felt like uh, uh, former President Trump was embracing that. He he went and he did a speech, but he also brought uh, water and some other uh, um, items uh, for the residents. So he was there for them um, and also the first responders and the mayor. And he spoke to that. And you just brought up the residents and, and some of what President former President Trump brought um, you know, from from your conversations on the ground there and from talking to different residents, uh, what do they need? Like what what is the maybe do they need supplies? Do they need, uh, you know, resources? Like what do they need there in Ohio? It it seems like uh, they want to get back to normal. Mm -hmm. um, it, it was a common theme among everybody I was talking to. Um, this is a working town. Everybody has a job that day everybody took off even the kids uh left school early in order to be there but on other days everybody's going to work everybody has something to do uh that they're they can't stop life because of this incident um so at this point what they want is to know that the water is safe to drink they want to know if it's safe for them to be there um they want to know if it you know if it's safe for them to farm um and you know, is, is it safe for animals to be around? They, they just don't know. There's a lot of unanswered questions. Mm -hmm. And even though you could see um, uh, people, take, you know, officials take going out there and drinking the water, taking a sip, these residents live there 24-7. Um, so when I was on the ground, 
there was a smell. There was a smell. It was a very chemical smell. It smelled sort of like diesel. And in certain areas, it smelled kind of sweet. Uh, some of those areas were like near the river. Uh, near the river, uh, I could smell like a little sweet fragrance in the air. Um, and it was a lot, a lot of times that was near the aeration pumps. Um, so I, I know that some people have said that that sweet smell is also the chemicals I'm, I'm, I'm smelling. So these people have to deal with this on a day in, day out basis. So maybe you'd have the governor take a sip of the water and maybe the water is safe, but with a constant smell like that, maybe mm-hmm. there are some other side effects that we don't know about. Yeah. And so it, it, it's, there's a lot of unknowns, and these residents want to know what the ans- what the answers are, and they want to know them um, as soon as possible. Yeah, definitely. And uh, from throughout your trip, what do, what was the most shocking thing that you saw, or that you were told, or that you heard? Um, you know, while you were in Ohio, <laughs> it was the it was the it was kind of geography was shocking to me. I didn't realize that East Palestine was literally on the border with Pennsylvania. Like, uh, there's signs that say, welcome to uh, uh, Pennsylvania, like a few minutes outside of the town. So this incident was not just an Ohio incident. It was an Ohio and Pennsylvania incident. And that's why it it needed a national response. Mm -hmm. Um, And it it needed to have national leaders there on the stage to help uh, these people deal with these type of incidents. you know, a lot of times, uh, you know, the people I was t- talking to, they, they believe that uh, they didn't get a quick response because of the color of their skin. Um, they, they believe that, oh, because we're white and rural, uh, this administration doesn't really like to uh, 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 work with us, talk to us, um, and they put us on the back burner. And that's the feeling I got when I, through a lot of the conversations I was having uh, with these individuals. Mm. That's really interesting. Roman, thank you so much for joining us and providing some insight into what's going on in East Palestine, Ohio. Looking forward to covering more of your reporting. Love to have you back on to talk about it. Thanks so much. No problem. The Daily Signal podcast is brought to you by more than half a million members of the Heritage Foundation. Executive producers are Rob Bluey and Kate Trinko. Producers are Virginia Allen and Samantha Asheris. Sound designed by Lauren Evans, Mark Guiney, and John Pop. To learn more, please visit DailySignal.com.